Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Jora, and we're coming to you live uh, while the Mets are playing the Cubs, and ugh, it's 7-2 Cubs. So let's not really talk about tonight's game. Let's go ahead instead and bring on our, our guest, and tonight we've got a special treat. It's the creator of the Oliver Projection System, Brian Cartwright. Uh, Brian, thanks for joining us tonight. Oh, thank you for inviting me. And uh, I just a few seconds ago clicked off the Pirates and the Brewers, and the Pirates were losing eight to two. So I'm not feeling much better. All right. Well, since you're a Pirates fan, and I don't want to talk about the Mets, let's talk about the Pirates, if you don't mind. Um, oh, that's well, fine. Perhaps the, the perhaps the best player is uh, Andrew McCutcheon, and this was a guy through most of his. Uh, uh, 20s, he was on a Hall of Fame path, and then last year it, it seemed to come crashing down on him a little bit, and it was more of the same here in the the early going, you know, like the first seven weeks or so of the season, but since the end of May, it, it's been vintage McCutcheon. So, since you watch the Pirates on a regular basis, what changed for him? Well, I believe that in the spring of 2016, um, well, there were reports that he had tweaked his knee in spring training. And my opinion was that he might have had a little bit of a cascade effect, maybe changed his swing a little bit. And when I look at the results of the batted balls, uh, and the, from the StatCast data, you could see that he was hitting the ball higher in the air, and he was also getting more swings and misses, uh, which definitely suggested that he maybe had more of an uppercut swing. And his BABIP had uh, dropped a lot, and but uh, the change in the hit rate on fly balls was almost 100% explained by the, the shift in the vertical angles. He was hitting the ball too high in the air, and if it didn't leave the ballpark, it was being caught. Plus, he wasn't putting as many balls in play because he was striking out more often. That pretty much went all through 2016, and he picked it up a little bit at the end, but in 2017, it got to the end of May, I think May 28th, and he still had a 200 batting average with little power. Took a couple of days off from the lineup. He said he was looking at video and that he discovered a flaw in his swing that was a small thing that wasn't obvious, but he came back and immediately he changed, and for the next two months, he was the best hitter in baseball. But also, then, he has slipped off because um, there was another event, and I was at a game in Toronto where he had uh, hit a double and then had to leave the game and said he felt like a cramp in his knee. Missed the rest of that game. One more came back on the second day, but... Um, in the months since then, has not been driving the ball at all. Has hit for very little power. But again, uh, now this could be, you know, an injury situation and the kind of things with the legs and the knees, and it might, have, you know, affect the uh, swing, how much power you can put into the ball, and what the swing plane is. But if it is 
um, you know, hopefully if, if it is, say, an injury-related thing that you could recover from, and maybe he's more aware of his swing now, that uh, when healthy, he might be able to get back to, uh, you know, somewhere near the level that he was for uh, several years. There was a lot of speculation in the blogosphere, at least in the Mets blogosphere, that uh, Andrew McCutcheon was available uh, for trade this past off season. And do you expect that the Pirates will shop him again this year? Yes. Uh, he has one more year, 2018, on the contract, and then there is an option for 2019. Or, wait a minute, it might be the, the options for 2018. Uh, I'd have to check on that, but I know he's he's got uh, you know one more year that it looks like under the uh, the Pirates. But uh, you know, in past that, it might be a thing of looking at the um, qualifying offer, and especially among the Pirate fans, the front office is known for being cheap, and no one thinks that they're going to risk him taking a qualifying offer at around 18 million. Uh, there was a lot of speculation that McCutcheon might have gone in the middle of this year to trading deadline while he still had a year and a half left to try to trade that extra um, time of control for better prospects. I definitely think that uh, he is going to be shopped around, especially with the rebound uh, that he had later in the year. Uh, the Pirates are not having a good season. They're, they're uh, 10 games uh, out right now, they're going to be you know well under 500. Maybe looking at drafting around 10th to 12th place. Uh, they need to do some kind of rebuilding, and there's guys like McCutcheon and also probably Garrett Cole, who you know have some uh, years left on their contract, but also are good enough that could probably fetch some good pr um, prospects to. You know, build up the farm system. Now the Pirates do have good depth uh, in starting pitching prospects. It's a matter of what the ceiling is on those. For, and uh, Tyler Glasnow had gone down to AAA and then done fantastic and came back tonight and still couldn't find a strike zone. Um, but they are having a few holes uh, on the with the position players, especially in the situation with uh, Jun Ho Kong not being able to get a visa and return to the United States. Well, let's switch gears here. And, and instead of talking about the Pirates, let's talk about uh, MLB as a whole. And right now we have the Cubs and Dodgers leading their division. And the Yankees are one of the uh, two wild cards in the AL. And, and the Angels are, are in the mix. I think they're a game and a half or two games back uh, right now as we speak. And I want to know from you as, as a baseball fan, and uh, do you think that it, it's good or bad to have uh, New York and L.A. and Chicago have four of their six clubs in the playoffs? Um, I'm a little undecided. It's it's obvious that those bigger cities have more revenue, especially from the local TV. It's not a situation like in the NFL where um, there's only local radio, and so everybody has basically the same amount of money to work with. There is a huge difference from major league team uh, on how much of that local TV money they get, and that can be uh, the majority of the money that they use uh, for the payroll. And so then, obviously, those big cities uh, and big revenue teams can 
get better players or they have a lot more um, risk tolerance uh, in spending a lot of money uh, to get somebody. Uh, on the other hand, I could say, I guess, uh, with uh, you know, even with money, they can still make bad decisions. But as I said, they can maybe afford to make them. Um, but then the uh, with the national TV, I'm sure that uh, the commissioner's office doesn't uh, mind or would look forward to getting higher TV ratings with uh, all the big cities in the playoffs. But uh, you know, there's always a chance of alienating uh, the players or the, the team, say, is in uh, you know Pittsburgh or some of the smaller cities. And you know, I've even joked uh, as far as which games make the national news that uh you know if they would uh, split the major league up into you know different leagues that the ESPN league would say be uh Red Sox, Yankees, Cubs, Dodgers and Cardinals and then maybe uh, throw in another team or two that they could relegate down to the uh, Fox league that would uh, have all the other teams. The Fox League, I love it. Um well it's now, like though, but, to me, you know, every Sunday night when you turn on ESPN it's one of the teams is going to be one of those big cities. Yeah. Well, um, to to me, one of the things that, that stands out is that the Cubs won last year. But when was the last time that before that, that one of the, the six teams from those three uh, large markets won the World Series? Well, I don't remember offhand, but I mean, you know, the in the last 15 years, the uh, Red Sox have broken their streak and have won a couple, and the Yankees have got some. Uh, I think it's been a while for the Dodgers. I'll, I'll have to confess, you know, I, I dive into the numbers. I watch all the Pirate games, but uh, you know, my TV viewing is over when the Pirates finish playing, so I'm uh, really not as up on the postseason. Uh, but, you know, like last year, though, it was uh, a very exciting series with uh, Cleveland and the Cubs. And uh, it looks like, you know, those two teams are going to be back in the playoffs again. And the, the Indians are the hottest team right now. I saw a factoid from uh, Joe Sheehan on uh, Twitter the other day. And uh, after the Indians won their 20th straight, they're now up to 21 after today's win. But after they won their 20th straight, uh, Joe had a uh, a factoid that uh, they had given up the fewest runs of any team since the 1968 Indians. And uh, it was some ridiculous number, like 32 runs in 20 games. So if if you're not really following closely, you you can see that uh, starting pitching has played a big role in the the Indians record here so far here lately yeah and uh, even with you know their top reliever Andrew Miller being out with an injury uh, for um, a while here now but yeah it's they've had the uh, starting pitching and uh, without looking at the numbers best I can recall is you know they have some uh, good defense too so they uh, you know have the tools there to you know keep the other team off the board now you were talking just a second ago about the big markets and their ability to uh, take on high payrolls. And as the Mets should be a big market club, but they're really not operated that way. But they did hand out the biggest off-season uh, contract this year when they gave uh, 
Ioana Cespedes, uh, what, a $120 million deal or whatever the final number was. And then he had some leg injuries last year. He's had even more of those this year. And uh, I want to know, do you think those leg injuries are a chronic thing, and do you think the Mets will regret signing him to that big deal? Um, I don't know. I mean, he's he's definitely got a very quality bat. Um, I have to confess, I just don't know enough of the specifics about his injuries to know if that's something that uh, you know would have a chance of recurring. And you know, just touching back on the Pirates, they've had some issues like Gregory Polanco three times this year, one and disabled if it was a, with a hamstring injury. And so there you're definitely saying, yeah, that's something which, you know, it's the same thing that's just popping up again. Uh, in those k- kind of situations, I mean, I like to see a guy like uh, Cespedes on the field, and I've followed him since the days when he was in Cuba. Um, but I think that at least if he is in the lineup, it's probably going to affect uh, some of his speed. Um, so might not be, you know, have as much range on defense, uh, you know, or the base running speed. And hopefully, like I mentioned uh, with McCutcheon before, that it won't do anything to, say, um, change his swing, which, you know, then might cause the, uh, you know, worst results in the batting line. Sandy Alderson made a big deal about not signing other free agents to, uh, big deals, $100 million deals, but he has re-signed a couple of Mets to those deals. In addition to Cespedes, we've had David Wright, and the David Wright contract certainly hasn't worked out, and the Cespedes won here in the first year, not off to a, a very good start for the Mets. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the uh, the wiseness of uh, extending those $100 million-plus deals to free agents? Well, as I said before, it's 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 a luxury, really, that only high revenue teams can afford. Um, but it seems like the biggest thing uh, to worry about is the injuries, because uh, I mean, Wright was a fantastic player, offense and defense, uh, for several years. But it's uh, been the uh, injuries; he hasn't been able to keep himself on the field the last couple of years, and it looks. You know, like a good chance that uh, it could be ending his career. Uh, you know, and that might be something as far as analytics-wise that uh, teams are going to have to be investigating uh, is health of the players and how well they can project that. And uh, in yeah, my work uh, with supplying data to major league teams, I've gotten to know a fair amount of the people who work in the analytics department. And, uh, you know, I'm aware that on some of those teams, um, you know, and including the Pirates again, that it is something that they are looking at. And there's uh, one of the uh, Pirates analysts uh, who had been tasked with uh, studying uh, player health uh, had uh, started medical school this year. And so they're, you know, really trying to, you know, get somebody who knows both you know the uh, the medical parts of it, but also the uh, the analytics, and uh, you know, and that's not the only team. And but it, I think that's uh, if you're going to be investing that much money, that uh, being informed about uh, the health of specific players is something that uh, you know you definitely have to know in order to wisely spend that money. 
Now, you bring up a very interesting point because I think if you look back in the last few years, um, certainly uh, teams like the Mets and the Dodgers have seen quite a few players on the disabled list. And by the same token, I think you see those teams in the middle of the country in both the AL and the NL centrals. Their rosters, they, they certainly have players go on the disabled list. I don't mean to imply that they don't. But when you compare them to some teams like the, the, the Mets and the Dodgers specifically, they have way, way fewer. So obvious, fewer DL trips, that is. So obviously they are spending time on this and given by the answer that you just gave, it, it, it sounds like they're dedicating time and resources to at least some aspect of injury prevention. Uh, anything else that you can share on that subject? Um, well, just some personal thoughts, too, that, um, you know, I'm an analyst and, you know, not uh, um, well up on the medical parts of it, but that in general, though, that you'll have two kinds, and as you were saying, the kind of chronic injuries and kind of things that have affected David Wright or, say, with the hamstrings, where you just have a situation maybe that just doesn't quite go away and it's going to keep, you have to worry about whether that same thing will be degenerative or whether it'll keep coming back. You have other things, uh, other kinds of injuries are just random, and, you know, you get you get hit with a pitch, uh, or, you know, you slide the wrong way. And I, I just saw the uh, video tonight of uh, Jimmy Nelson, the, the pitcher for the Brewers, um, had uh, got a hit and was diving back into first base and just ripped up his shoulder. So it's just one of those freak things. And, um, you know, it probably has you know, no predictive value, um, but it happens. He's Brian Cartwright, and I'm Brian Jura, and you're listening to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. Well, let's get away from this nasty topic of injuries and, and talk about a, something that uh, it, it, at least has, has been in the, in the front of my mind this year. It seems like we've seen more alternative jerseys this year than we have ever before. It, it seemed like it started a couple of uh, years ago with the Mother's Day and this year we had Mother's Day and Father's Day and Memorial Day, and then we had this thing a couple of weekends ago where uh, players could put whatever nickname they wanted on the back of the jerseys, and it just seems like the only thing that matters is being able to, to sell these jerseys to people. So is, is the next step like uh, NASCAR-type sponsorship uh, or like what the NBA is starting this year with just one sponsor logo? Can, can you see that happening, or do you think that the uniforms are going to remain pure for the next little bit? I wouldn't be surprised to see advertisements, say, in the next few years, and I think that will depend on how some of the big TV contracts go. And there are situations like with ESPN and declining viewership, and so you've had them and similar, say, broadcast networks or cable networks that are have paid lots of money uh, to baseball, uh, at, you know, for their revenue stream. That, as broadcasting is changing, and uh, MLB is a little more out in front of some of the other leagues in doing streaming technologies and that, but I think that the technological aspects of broadcasting are changed, which is going to affect um, some of their major revenue streams. So 
I believe that they uh, would at least keep that option available of having corporate sponsors um, to be able to put something on the uniforms. And and I've seen that with foreign leagues, and uh, part of what I do is uh, providing stats from uh, Cuba and Japan and Korea to major league teams, and so it's and I've even before that, I was a fan of um, some of the alternative baseball, you know, in different places. And so I get a chance um, to, especially for Korea, you know, I can um, get one of the apps on the computer and early in the morning pop on and, and watch some Korean games. And not, a, well, for one, a lot of their teams are sponsored or owned by corporations. And so the corporation itself uh, might have the name on the team, but. It's like I see the batting helmet, and it's got like you know the uh, the galaxy cell phone or whatever on the side of the helmet. And I remember making a tweet about it, and someone joked, "Well, I hope it doesn't blow up." You know? <laughs> so it, it, it's very interesting to me that you know you were talking about the uh, the new technologies and. Uh, MLB has actually been, you know, um, among the various sports leagues, kind of in the the forefront uh, in that. Uh, of, of course, MLB AM has been uh, a cash cow for them, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what else they can do on the technological front uh, to to bring in uh, more revenue than just the traditional. Uh, uh, ticket-based uh, revenue model that they survived on for 100-plus years. Any thoughts on any technological advances that we might be able to look forward to, say, in the next, oh, I don't know, five to ten years? Well, uh, you know, they have been working with the, uh, the StatCast as far as being able to use the remote sensing uh, cameras and radar systems to gather as much data about the game as possible, and then they went out and hired a couple guys like uh, Darren Willman uh, to uh, be the uh, director of research and development, Tom Tango to be the head data architect. And I think uh, those guys are doing a really good job of still, though, trying to figure out what to do with the data and and how to present it. And, And so it's coming. And then I also had seen a tweet just in the last day or two um, I think it was from Apple that they had with well, their conference where they were introducing new products and they had a picture of on the cell phone where they had augmented reality of a uh, baseball and a game, major league game that was um, driven by data that's coming from StatCast. And so I guess instead of having live video, they're able on your phone to do some uh you know a CGI recreation but it would do all include all of the stats and graphics and everything that will um you know show you what's going on and the details and that it's certainly you know come a long way since I started watching games in 1970 <laughs> All right well let's uh get to our uh uh recurring weekly uh, segment and uh, each week here on the podcast we we make a crazy prediction I'm going to give you mine and then I'm going to ask you to decide how crazy it is and then I'm going to ask you for your crazy pick okay 
Uh, mine is Brandon Nimmo, uh, Mets uh, rookie, becomes the, the leadoff hitter next year, and he delivers a 375 on base percentage in at least 500 uh, plate appearances in 2018. And I want to know, how crazy is that? I uh, hadn't had a chance to look at my projections before I came on, but just looking at some of the raw numbers. And I don't think it's totally outrageous. I mean, he's looked like uh, been a good hitter and had very good on-base skills in the minor leagues. And uh, I think it would just be a matter of playing time, um, you know, getting an opening in the Mets outfield. Uh, but, you know, and like I said, that's a matter of is Cespedes going to be healthy? Is Lagaris going to be playing well enough and being available? Now, um, I like Conforto. Um, you know, I assume he's going to be out there. But, uh, yeah, I think Nimmo could definitely be a uh, contender for some uh, playing time and, uh, you know, has a good chance to be productive. All right, so uh, you didn't think mine was too crazy, so how about yours? What's your crazy prediction? Well, uh, you know, I, um, although I crunch all the numbers, I don't look at all the teams all the time, and I'm, I'm a Pirate fan, so I look at more of those. And one of the sleeper picks uh, who has been promoted to the Pirates is Jordan Luplo, um, whose great-uncle had played for the Pirates back in the 1960s and been Steve Blass's roommate for a short period. Um, I had Luplo back in June with the second-highest WOBA projection for for this year uh, for a player who had never played in the major leagues. Number one was Reese Hoskins. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I like Luplo uh, looking at the stats. I got him for about a 330 WOBA, which is a little better than average for a corner outfielder. He can run the bases. He can throw. He can play some defense. Maybe nothing that's outstanding, but nothing that's bad. And um, I think there's a chance that the Pirates could trade one of their three starting outfielders, and uh, Luplo could uh, be a regular next year. Now, you were mentioning that uh, he had uh... – uh, major League Ties, was that former Met Al Luplo? Was, yes. was that his son or grandson? That's his grandfather's brother. His grandfather's brother. Aha. Um, you know, I, I, I think I think of Cleveland as more of uh, Al Luplo's uh, position, but I, I seem to recall that he might have played a year or two for the Mets in the uh, the dark days of the mid-60s. Mm-hmm. But uh, an interesting name for us to remember, especially if, like, tying back to what we were talking about earlier, if the Pirates do decide to uh, uh, shop McCutcheon this off season, So definitely, uh, Mr. Luplo, a, a name to, to file away uh, for the fantasy players, if nothing else, that uh, listening to the show. Now, I, w- I want to ask you something that, I, that I've been asking almost, every guest here this this season and that's the the MLB home rate home run rate has really exploded the last two and a half years and do you think that MLB should be do any anything about it or do you think they should just let uh, nature take its course and let the game find its own equilibrium um, I've been reading a lot about this I've been doing some of my own research I believe there's several causes, and the only one that the league itself can control is the baseball. Now, it does appear that the baseball 
uh, is flying better. And the likely explanation is that the seams are lower, which makes the ball go through the air more efficiently and go further. Uh, they can cut back on that. But at the same time, there are changes that the players have made. Um, they are swinging more for fly balls, and they are also being more aggressive uh, on ball strike counts uh, in their favor, especially like zero strike counts, uh, 102030 first pitch. Um, it's a lot of times where the pitcher throws one down the middle to get a strike, and in the past, uh, guys have just taken it, but the swing rates at those pitches, which are very mashable, are up 10 to 15%. Um, but the thing is, even though the home run rates, the overall rates are up considerably, with the exception of Giancarlo Stanton, nobody has, no single player has an extremely high home run rate. I think they would be more concerned if someone is out there hitting 65, 70, 75 home runs. If you have a bunch of guys that are around 35 or 40, um, I don't think there'll be as much concern about it. Yeah, that is definitely an excellent point. You know, I, I think the the poster boy for that kind of thing is the the year out of nowhere where Brady Anderson came uh, and hit over 50 home runs. And I hadn't really considered that, but I, I think you're absolutely right that and as long as that these guys who's, who've previously shown, uh, you know, barely double-digit home run uh, totals, as long as they don't jump up into the 50s, it's probably not something that MLB is going to be overly concerned about. Uh, but you, you raised another interesting point, and uh, you were talking about the seams on the baseball. And you always hear MLB say the same thing, that the balls are uh, within the acceptable range of uh, manufacturing standards. And I, I'm just shocked that there's a range. Uh, in, in this day and age, can't we, can't we have a precise measure of how the balls are supposed to be? Why does it have to be in a range? That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I agree, and it's a matter of how wide you know you set that range, and that's sort of come up too with the uh, with Tom Brady's uh, deflated balls um, and finding out uh, you know how much of a range there was on inflating the football. And I know my wife, who hates Tom Brady, was going on about that, and I says, "Well, yeah, but if soft balls, you know." Uh, made for good performance, why does Aaron Rodgers like to have a really hard inflated ball? And they were on opposite ends of, there's all like almost two pounds of difference in the football. And, and the same thing, there is a range on the baseball. Maybe, um, well, that's at the manufacturing and at the factory. And maybe there's a technical thing with the machinery that it uh, might be difficult to get within that. But on the other hand, you know, if they're consistently on the low end of the range as opposed to, you just say, normal distribution, then it would seem obvious that they are capable of more precision in the manufacturing. Well, we are all out of time. I'd like to thank our guest, Brian Cartwright, for joining us tonight. And please tune again Tune in again next week, next Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks, everyone, and uh, root for the Mets to come back uh, from this five-run deficit in the ninth inning. Good night, and we'll see you next week.